Okay, so coming up is my chat with Belinda Lodge. Belinda is uh, one of, if not the leading sort of headhunter, ad industry headhunter uh, in Australia and beyond. So we had a good chat about the impending or the job apocalypse, as I called it. I'm sure someone else coined that. Uh, they were in the middle of, um, so Belinda's at the front line of that being a sort of headhunter um, and probably one of the best connected uh, people in the business. So I wanted to sort of pick her brains really about um, her sense of where we are, uh, what does this mean uh, for the industry, and also just generally, um, you know, we talked about uh, she's been uh, independent for about 10 years, and, you know, as she said, her, her sort of business kicked in uh, just at the tail end of the last uh, financial crisis, 2008-2009. Uh, you know, so we talked about that period in between and uh, generally, you know, try to write, uh, put the world to rights, uh, or at least the advertising world. Anyway, um, without further ado, here's Belinda Lodge. Okay. Good morning. How are you? I'm all right. How are you? I'm very, very well. So before we hit record, we were just uh, saying that it's a good job. This is audio uh, because, uh, you know, we, we, we've probably both got locked down here and, uh, you know, hopefully you don't have a beard, but um, I've, I've certainly, uh, certainly got one. I, so. I don't, but I do have um, chisel marks all across the uh, bottom of my tracksuit pants, if that makes you feel any better. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. All right, cool. Right, let's um, let's get into it. So I thought um, uh, it would be good for us to to have a chat in the context of the. Um, so I don't know if anyone sort of branded it yet. Um, I, I like the term job apocalypse. Um, nice. <laughs> so I, I think um, certainly for um, uh, for any younger listeners in the ad industry, you know, I think the current situation is a big lesson in economics. You know, and how everything is is connected. You know, and uh, you know, I think uh, I mean Byron Sharp actually wrote a short post on LinkedIn uh, last week, which uh, which sort of summed it up nicely. And he said the economy is people doing things for other people, and once that breaks down, uh, you don't have an economy. And I think that's that's what we're we're seeing now, even though the government can say, right, everyone go back to work. That doesn't necessarily mean there's any buyers out there, for instance. Yeah. So, um, so we'll get into that in a minute, but I thought just for the benefit of, um, cause I happen to know, I look at my stats and this, uh, this show gets listened to all around the world. So although you will be well known to people in uh, Australia, maybe just for the rest of the world, you want to give us a little, um, short sort of bio of uh, of uh, what what you sort of get up to and how how you got there. Sure. So I own I Populate, which is a headhunting firm for advertising and communications talent. I've had I Populate for 
nearly 11 years now. So most of my job is moving people in and out and around the advertising industry, both locally here in Australia and then sometimes internationally as well. Fantastic. And so, ten, so you've you've been uh, working for yourself now for ten for nearly eleven years now. In fact, it was just yeah. it was ten years last year, wasn't it? Because I, I, I remember that. So yeah, how, absolutely. So was um, so that, that's you know quite a long. I mean, that's a, a you know. Can you ever see yourself going back into a corporate world, or are you sort of fiercely independent forever? now? I I don't know. I think. On a good day, you think that owning your own company is probably the best thing you've ever done. Yeah. Um, on a bad day, uh, I'd sell you a recruitment company for a cup of coffee. Um, so I think it really genuinely depends in what period of time you ask the question. But certainly yeah. across those last 11 years, I think for every um freedom I felt working for myself. I've also found that that freedom is as limited as it is when you work for somebody else. You're still accountable to the tax department, to your accountant, to your clients, to your agencies. It's it's just a different kind of accountability. Mm. Um, and it often feels heavier, to be honest, than when I was on Collins Street working for somebody else. Yeah. What, what was the spark? What was the moment when you thought, fuck this, I'm, you know, I'm going out on my own? Well, there were probably two. Um, the first one was I was never good in corporate. Um, I was constantly getting dragged into the boss's office. Um, yeah. And one day I was dragged into the boss, uh, boss's office and given a what to where to work document that was as amazing as it sounds. So it had can, a- Can you remember any of the details of that? What, what do you reckon? What do you yeah. reckon? It, I imagine it's something to do with uh, length of skirts and, uh, and you know, yeah. height of shoes and things like that. Yeah, and hair. So it had a uh, photograph of a woman dressed in a skirt suit with a right. court shoe right. and her hair in a bun. I think, and I mean, from to, to be honest, I, I think there's some uh, consulting firms still have guidelines yeah. not far from that. <laughs> Just pinned up on their door. And stockings, sorry, stockings as well. But uh, what, what they did have was different kind of pointers coming out of various parts of her body and outfit explaining the reasons why you needed to dress this way. So the first, the first alarming point was the lipstick that uh -huh. had next to it. Women who wear lipstick earn 33% more than women who do not, followed shortly thereafter by... Um, Young and fun, this was uh, for the hairdo. Young yeah. and fun, question mark. Uh, keep it neat. Over 40, question mark, keep it short. Oh. Yeah. That's so that funny. was amazing. So I went through that with the boss and it was around about that time that I made the decision that I wasn't going to work for them anymore. Um, and then the GFC hit and I lost my job and no one was hiring. Right. Um, so I did what any good recruiter would do. I went around and spoke to all the recruiters that worked in my space, which was advertising, yeah. um, and realised pretty quickly that there were a lot of really functional and transactional recruiters in market, and there weren't really anybody that, that gave too much of a shit about me or the people that they were recruiting or yeah. 
the agencies. Um, so between getting fired, seeing a kind of gap in the market, I guess, in hindsight, although it wasn't that kind of profound idea when it occurred, um, and also not being able to get another job, I just kind of started doing what it is that I do, which is yeah. recruiting on, on my own right in the middle of the GFC. Yeah. And how, how well connected were you back then? Because, I mean, now I think, you know, probably, you know, I mean, I just know that if, if, there's, if there's someone out there that I want some intel on, then, you know, I've got a list of people who, who I ask and you're pretty near the top of that list because you kind of know everyone. And what was, did you already have all of those connections or was that part of the process of building the business was, you know, uh, you know, establishing those relationships? Yeah, I think it's interesting. I think the the longer you're in the game, the more information you're privy yeah. to. I think it takes a long time to build up trust as a headhunter in, in any um, field. But yeah. I think... When I first started, I was, they, they always say, you know, make mistakes with somebody else's money before you make them with your own. Right. Um, so I, I'd had four years under my belt. So from a technical point of view, I think I had the, the skills to be able to do mid to semi-senior placements. Um, but it's certainly been under I Populate and under my own company that I've really been able to um feel like I'm a part of the advertising community as opposed to somebody just hanging off the side of it and feeding yeah. off it. I think that probably happened around the same time that I went out on my own and did things my own way. Yeah, because you do, you, because um, I, th I think uh, both of us sit on different advisory committees within RMIT because you're, um, you're, you're connected to that as well, aren't you? Yeah, so when they decided to move the degree or change the degree from an advertising degree to a broader Marcoms degree, they did pull together an advisory board, which I sit on, um, to try to work out what needs to be kept um, from a functional skills point of view when these kids come out and, and what can be um, let go. Uh, yeah. It's been fascinating. I mean, I think the university system, I don't know what your view is, but I think in and of itself is absolutely fascinating. Yeah, yeah, I mean, definitely, um, you know, I'm kind of, uh, you know, I, I get the sense sometimes that um, what I'm not sure, 100% sure of uh, the relevance of some, some of the things that get taught. Um, it's, you know, particularly from a textbook point of view, because a lot of the time, by the time these books are written, um, you know, things have, have sort of moved on and they're constantly uh, playing playing catch-up. You know, I think the kids, when they come out of there, they probably get more out of the first six months in the industry than they have from the, you know, five or six years. Um, yeah, I think so. Universe. And then I'd be interested in your take on this. What do you think about um, the current degrees in entrepreneurship that they're running through various universities yeah I, i'm not i don't to be honest I, i'm not really sure of the of the content of those type of you know degrees i mean i you know the the, the one that i contribute to is a is a you know creative advertising so they're they're producing 
art directors and and copywriters um you know which you know arguably you would say is is um you know that's what they have been producing for many many years so whether that uh, adapts to the to the new environment on the on the odd occasion when i get to do lectures and things like that you know one of the things i've said to them is um you know the uh advertising kids you know is like go and find a buddy in the school of science and technology that's working with artificial intelligence or something you know because uh you know in terms of creative teams uh in the near future uh, you know my sense is that that you know that, uh, to be a creative you're going to be able to need to be able to visualize and, and write things but your partner will be uh, uh, uh algorithm driven type thing you know because it's so much more efficient at going and retrieving information i kind of liken it my analogy is uh in uh, in jamaica you know the so the term dj you know so we all think of a dj as someone who plays records uh, or plays music you know, but but the original in jamaica the original dj was the was the person who uh, did the sort of toasting rapping type stuff over the top of the dub plates and the and the person who 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 uh, played the, the music was called the selector you know so i think uh, a sort of creative the next generation of creative is more like a selector huh. and, you know they, they'll have an algorithm that pumps out you know suggestions you know which it can do at a bigger and better faster rate than any human and then the the job of the creative is is almost uh, discernment you know to sort of look at the suggestions and say yeah that one that one um but uh do you think though i don't know i don't know i think that the more things change the more they stay the same so yeah. i can't well i have never run into as yet um, an executive creative director's brief where they need somebody to have a scientific understanding of data, AI, and anything that sits in, in that realm. I think my, my experience is that that still is the dominion of strategy. And that certainly has blown up from a strategic point of view I, I don't know if our industry will protect pure creativity or if they will continue to expand what falls under the umbrella of creativity to include some of those disciplines. But yeah. people, people can be pretty dogmatic in our industry and, and, and extremely protective of creative talent even now. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. What, what's your thoughts on that? Well, I, I mean, I, I don't think, you know, to say, you know, to talk about a sort of augmented creativity, right, which is a combination of human and machine, I don't think that is, uh, you know, there's anything wrong with that. I don't think that undermines creativity at all. It's the same argument as like when Bob Dylan went electric, you know, you know, that was a great yeah. fr affront to, uh, you know, to traditional folk people but then you know all it did was create a new genre you know um so you know, but he I, was I, intentionally trying to be the other right so he yeah. his whole raison d'etre was to not be what people expected him to be whereas yeah. in a commercial setting i'm not entirely sure that creatives are going to reinvent 
I, I don't know how good creatives are at reinventing themselves, to be honest with you. Yeah. Um, I you know, if you look at, you know, one of the things, you know, I sort of slightly despair at, uh, you know, in the last couple of years, you know, there's been that, I mean, this is a fad, it seems to be going away, thank God, but there was a sort of period of, of these kind of nonsensical taglines, you know, that grammatically made no sense, you know, like... Uh, you oh, know, they're still around, they're fear not. Of, yeah, the sort of verb your adjective type thing, you know, yeah. like, you know, find your quickly. And it's, you know, there's nothing, I mean, it's just, it's just nonsense, you know, so I mean, a machine can probably create better nonsense you know you know than a human you know so i think you know so my my sort of notion of the of the creative as selector you know still brings that bit of kind of human creativity to be you know i mean what is creativity anyway you know i mean you don't get anything from nothing it all comes from from somewhere you know the brain yes. is, is a big computational system that processes information and um, yep. so to have to have a computer or an algorithm doing that, uh, it just means that there's certain tasks that can do more of quicker uh, and faster. You know, but I mean, but you know, on the, to the same token, we're a long, 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 long way away from uh, any artificial intelligence even resembling uh, the way the human uh, mind works. You know, because uh, just the number of connections and things in a human mind, you know, it's impossible for software to replicate that. Um, yeah, I mean, it's interesting in, you know, owning a recruitment firm during the rise of kind of LinkedIn, um, internal recruitment models, it's, I think everybody, certainly over the last 15 years I've been in the industry, has tried to work out an administrative solution to a human problem. Yeah. And the more people have tried in that pursuit, the busier I seem to be. And I think it is because there are certain things that cannot be automated. Um, and one of them I think is you, you cannot identify talent in any other way, I, I think, than up close. Yeah. That's, that, um, that's true. And, and I think it's almost the same as with the remote way of working that we're now finding ourselves in um, and much has been made about how freeing it is for everybody. Um, but on the ground, what I've heard is the magic has always been when you get the right guys in the right room on the right pitch, right? And yeah. that that is in, in existence in our industry at the moment. Um, and I think most people would say that they are missing that. Yeah, well, it's funny, I've been, I've been, there's something I'm trying to write at the moment. I've been, so I've been sort of looking into this, and there's a there's a, um, a thing they call naturalness of communication. And um, when when you sort of break it down, you know, although we do communicate verbally, you know, and with language and everything, that, you know, what people are realizing now is that even with video conferencing and Zoom and everything, it's it's a bit like. A, it's a bit like compression, you know, in, in music, you know, so you listen to, you know, a sort of uncompressed music file, and then you listen to an MP3 off of your iPhone or whatever. Um, but, you know, there is, although you don't really notice it, you know, there's a reason why the file size has been reduced by 90%, you know, because so much stuff 
that's not that's not um you can't you know consciously perceive it but it has been removed you know yes i think the same thing is with uh, with the sort of video conferencing you know you can see the faces and the people are there but 90 percent of the dynamic has been removed but it's just not uh you don't you're not consciously uh yes aware yeah. of it you know it's funny i got do you know um do you know kate richardson I know of Kate uh, uh, via LinkedIn, but I, but I don't think I've met Kate. But yes, uh, I do know certainly who you're speaking about. All right. Yeah. No, I'm going to because I've been trying to tee up a chat with her for a couple of weeks and it hasn't come up. But she um, turned me on to uh, uh, this uh, book by um, it's three people from Harvard Business School: uh, Heifetz, Gradshaw, and Linsky. Right. <laughs> but the written right. this book, it's one of these Harvard books, but it's called The Practice of Adaptive Leadership. Right. Mm-hmm. And uh, but the the uh, and this was a revelation to me because the core sort of thesis of the book is like in 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 business there are there are two types of problems there are technical problems and there are adaptive problems and technical problems you know often ha- well will usually have known fixes right yeah. you know because it's tech but adaptive problems require new knowledge or new ways of working and that sounds straightforward enough but most of the time when businesses especially thinking about the ad business when they get into trouble is when we confuse technical problems and adaptive problems and when we think there are technical fixes to adaptive problems you know which you know which usually i mean adaptive problems involve people and humans and interaction and all those kind of things but you know technical problems are often software uh and the whole sort of the cult of zoom you know is that is case in point we've confused there we're thinking that there's a technical fix to an adaptive problem but yep yeah probably you know most of the people out there that are working in agencies i bet they're champing at the bit to get back uh, into the building you know to to be able to gossip and you know and do all that other stuff that goes on you know around the product but i also think that there's that there is and we know this from you know great successful agencies that have galvanized themselves around the talent of maybe one person or two people um the chemistry that is created when you've got the right people in the right room is is something that i don't think can be emulated in certainly over um zoom or google hangouts but equally i don't i don't think it can be emulated outside of our industry either and i think we've seen that with some of the consulting guys trying to edge into creativity um and they can get the right guys together they just probably can't get the right guys together in the right room having the right conversation um whereas i think advertising does that better than any other industry as well it should um and i think we're realizing that again the the power of just that simple kind of kinetic energy um when we can't have it when when we're all without it i think everybody's finding it's almost um it, it's the same as i made a comment on linkedin the other day about missing the pub and i was saying that the pub's kind of the unsung hero of the advertising department because it is where we all kind of come together and um let off some steam find out what everybody else is up to toss around some ideas, have too many drinks, and then go home to our families um, without all of that weight on our shoulders. 
Um, and I also think that the minute you take people out of advertising, which essentially is kind of what's happening at the moment, um, I don't know. I think it, I think it's a dangerous thing, um, and I don't think it produces anything of substance, really. Mm. That's a, that's a good sort of segue, I guess, into what I wanted to to you know. So looking back to uh, two thousand eight, two thousand nine, you know, so. You're, you're starting off um, independent on your own, you know, just after the sort of financial crisis. So, you know, you know, potentially a similar situation, at least from an economics point of view, to where we are now. Um, what, um, what do you think, you know, if you had to pick the, you know, two or three biggest changes over the last 10 years that, that you've seen, um, you know, as we sort of, you know, in that sort of gap, you know, from from one meltdown to this meltdown, um, you know, um, is it a different kind of meltdown, I guess? There's differences that are stark. I think one of them that kind of comes to mind is during the GFC, um, full-time employment uh, numbers were frozen. So you couldn't put any full-time hires into any of the agencies. It was set by the um, holding companies and they were global hiring freezes. Uh, what that did do though, is it started to drive up the amount of freelance work that was out mm. and about. Um, what I've seen that has been so very different this time around, the first thing that people, the first thing, uh, sorry, the first, subclass of people that agencies got rid of were freelancers yeah. and they were all taken out of the industry literally within a week. So that was the first cost cutting measure was to get rid of all freelancers. Um, and I think that that is extremely different because now we've got a glut of amazing freelancers that are kind of sitting on the sidelines waiting for a game. Um, and we didn't, I was going to say, uh, tell, tell me about it. <laughs> Cause I'm yeah, like, right. right yeah. Yeah. Um, and I also think that it doesn't matter. I think during the GFC, there were a lot of um, bloated agencies. I don't think we've that level of bloat existed in our industry prior to Corona. Um, but I do think that there are where, where do you think that where was where was the bloat? Because I mean, just from, you know, from my point of view, you know, as a sort of planner, you know, you look at, I mean, certainly I've seen the last sort of five or six years of the, the role of planning in agencies has been sort of diminished. Yeah. Um, you know, you, when you used to get, you know, a month to research a problem, you know, you've got, you've kind of, you know, there's a sort of acronym, which is POA insights, you know, which is pulled out of ass, you know, and that's, <laughs> That's, uh, you know, that's all that happens. You get all this kind of like garbage, just made up shit, you know, but, and it's not really, I don't really blame the planners, you know, because they've got to produce something, but you don't have any time uh, to do it. And those departments have been getting slashed for five or six years anyway. Yeah. And, and yet there's still bloat. So where's, where's the bloat? Now or back then? Oh, now, or, yeah, I get, yeah. Well, we were talking about uh, progressively things got more bloated um yeah look i think uh, it's, a, it's a it's a tough question so i think if you 
kind of, how do I phrase this without being um, too controversial? So, no, so here's, here's the guys that have been hit this time. So anybody who is in, I think the first guys taken out were anyone sitting between 180 to 280. Yeah. I think they were hit really, really hard this time around. So I think if you went into agencies right now and you had a look at the senior management team, I don't mean the executive team, I mean the senior management team. Yeah. I think they would be as lean as we've ever seen them. Yeah. I think, so So that's happened. I also think that strategy has been hit. Strategy was the first one to get hit during the GFC as well. I think it'll also probably be the first one to come back. Um, but strategy was hit pretty hard as well. Um, some would argue that you don't need that degree of thinking, um, strategic thinking across all clients now. I think, you know, certainly we're based in Melbourne um, and we're a retail financial services style, um, or we have a lot of, um, sorry, we have a lot of financial services and retail clients down here. Mm. Um, and some people would suggest that strategy plays less of a role in uh, certainly retail um, and uh, putting more and more money into production um i also think that really senior suits that can think as well as do um those guys have been either stood down or um crossed out as a um line item um during the gfc we didn't see as many fantastic talent having to take a seat yeah. It was a lot of talent, I think, that um, were just okay. This is the first time that I've seen talent that my clients would have fought over nine months ago, um, finding themselves, you know, sitting in front of their emails, hitting send and receive, waiting for somebody to speak to them. Yeah. Um, I think that's been really hard for people to get their head around. It's been hard for me to get my head around. It's been really hard for my agencies that have had to say goodbye to people that they care about and whose talent they value and know that they need, um, but that the clients aren't paying for. Um, I think it's been different in that regard. And I think it's been extremely challenging um, when people can't, there, there just is nothing for them to do. Yeah. Do you think, have is there a sense that maybe, uh, you know, some agency heads have kind of looked at this as an opportunity, you know, think, aha, well, this, you know, that five or 10% of my staff that it was hard, to, you know, that I wanted rid of, that I couldn't, couldn't move out. Now it's like, aha, now I can clear out the dead wood kind of thing. Is there any of that going on, do you think? I think there's always that going on, right. but overwhelmingly, what I'm hearing and seeing is I don't think that any agency head is getting any enjoyment whatsoever about or when it comes to standing people down or moving people on in during a crisis. I, I know my clients really well. I know my agency heads really well. Majority of them uh, I've had a conversation with, which is literally head in hand, them feeling frightened and terrified and overwhelmed with what's being required of them. Um, and I think it would hold us as a community 
all in good stead, just to remember no one's getting any kind of pleasure out of any of this. Mm. Um, what I do see though is the way that the bonuses work in some of the multinationals, people are protecting margin and protecting their bonuses over protecting their teams and their people. Mm. I think that's always existed in our industry. I don't think it's more represented in our industry than anybody else's, but I, I don't think you would have to look too far at the moment to know exactly who they are um, and to be disappointed in their behaviour. Mm. Yeah. Okay, I'll tell you what, we've got one, let's just one other little sort of question around negativity and then let's try and look for the positives uh, <laughs> after I, can, I, can, I, can, I can talk about the negativity because let's all <laughs> let's not pretend that everyone's having a beautiful time out here at the moment jeez yeah. bloody tough yeah but if you so like if you're a sort of betting uh if you're a betting person you know do you think are, are there rules that are just not coming back you know, i mean we talked about how strategy uh you know in its in in the form that it's existed you know or uh, certainly in the last 10 years, which is, I think it, there's, um, it hasn't managed to unify, you know, because there's still always been that distinction between what was digital or brand strategy yep. or whatever. Um, although, you know, uh, that's not, you know, a sweeping statement about everyone, you know, so a lot of people haven't, haven't, you know, adapted. I mean, I thought it was funny because I'm one of the sort of older ones, you know, who, you know, you would traditionally would have said, oh, you know, this old git needs to get his head around digital, but I actually came into planning, you know, from digital and had to sort of, you know, incorporate more traditional brand, brand planning. So it was, it was the other way around, but yeah, it was. Yeah. But, yeah. Yeah. But we, but we, so we've definitely seen strategy take a hit. Um, do we? And, but but you alluded to the fact there that it may, you know, if it is coming back, it, it's going to come back in a different form, uh, possibly. But do you think is there any, are there any rules that you think uh, are are not are not coming back? I I don't think so. Right. I don't think so. I think. I, I did make the joke last week that if um, coronavirus got us into this mess, um, digital strategists with an e-com bent are going to get us out of this mess because that's all anybody wanted from me last week. Okay. Um, I do think, I, I don't know actually is the answer. I have yeah. no idea how this is going to play out. I don't know how yeah. long it's going to play out. I think when JobKeeper finishes, we're going to see another round of people losing jobs out of our industry yeah. the well, you know I, th the, I think I mean you've hit the nail on, on the head there I mean we've you know everyone's been sort of wrapped up in the in the sort of health you know implications rightly or wrongly you know depending on which side of the fence you're on you know perhaps it's uh, there's been a sort of overreaction you know from governments in terms of lockdowns so we won't get into that because it's too controversial but um sure. the um what is certain is that you know that we haven't even started in terms of the real economic impact you know of uh you know i think all of that is still to come you know so it could be you know i mean it could be this recovery you know if it's going to happen it's not going to happen in three months or six months you know we're looking at years now of, of you know uh, business coming back you look at you know because obviously in uh, advertising and media, you know, we're in the kind of service business. So we need 
uh, you know, industry to be performing and having things to sell, uh, and that needs buyers. You know, but of course, as long as people yeah. are out of work, they're not buying. So it's that kind of vicious cycle. Um, you know, so it could be, uh, you know, that we actually haven't seen the worst of this situation from a from a economy standpoint yet. You know. I don't think so. Well, one of the things that's frustrating me is um, the rhetoric that's coming around is, you know, we're coming back, we're coming back, we're coming back, we're coming back. Um, I, I, I don't think we're coming back yet. Yeah. Um, and, I, yeah, I, I'm with you. I, I don't think we're even halfway through this yet. Yeah. Okay, so but on on the upside, so I keep I keep an eye on the um, obviously on the industry news and stuff. I'm I'm slightly kicking myself because when I started my own little consultancy, I didn't really do a press release or announce it. But now every week, there's the, you know a couple of people that have just been fired by some holding company are starting their own little you know firms. So there's all these little two and three people new little shops cropping up. Um, which, and that's a, that's got to be a positive, you know. That's that's exciting, uh, I think, yeah, to see. But there will be a natural selection process that sort of happens there. But I mean, every week there's two there's two or three coming up. Is do you think that uh, you know little sort of lean, nimble startups, two or three senior people putting their heads together, is that a model? You think that's gonna. Um, I'd imagine, you know, because a lot of smaller, you know, I was I bumped into um, a guy I know actually who's I won't say his name, but he lives around the corner for me. Who's MD of a, a sort of medium-sized semi-independent creative shop in Melbourne. But he, you know, he was saying that they they've been lucky because the clients that they had are industries that have kind of been least affected, you know, and have actually maybe benefited, you know, supermarkets and things. Um, yeah. uh, but he, he was saying to me, he thinks that uh, because a lot of smaller shops may potentially go under, there's going to be a glut of smaller clients that uh, then have to find somewhere else to go. And that could benefit these little, you know, little two, three person startups that are happening. Is that, do you think that's? Uh, well, I mean, just, I, mean okay. I guess this is happening all the time. So you'll have seen over 10 years, plenty of these things come and go, but maybe is the time right for that kind of thing now? Or is it? Uh, um... Look, put it, put it this way. I wouldn't want to be starting an advertising agency right now. Right. Um, at all. <laughs> I know, no, no yeah. would be my upshot. Now, okay. mind you, like, you know, nobody thought it was a good idea that I started a recruitment company during the GFC either. Right. Um, so, <laughs> yeah. uh, what I do think is one of the things that is fantastic about our industry is there have always been independent agencies that have pushed the work, that have pushed the holding companies, that have um, challenged. Uh, different ways of doing things. They've challenged the traditional model. Um, and I think that they're really important. I think Indies are really, really important in that industry to keep everybody on their toes. Sure. What is heartbreaking to see um, is 
people who have gone out on their own, they've risked everything to create something from nothing. They've done that, they've been able to hold their own and then something has taken them out like a Corona um, because their main client is a travel agent or through no fault of their own, absolutely Mm. no fault of their own. They've just been, you know, their revenue has been reduced by, you know, 50, 60% overnight. Um, I think that's what is just, I just find that heartbreaking um, Mm. as a small business owner and also somebody who really enjoys what the independents have kind of got to offer our community. Um, I, I don't, I don't know whether or not having, you know, kind of rats and mice clients um, to feed three or four senior people um, who are just starting up would even be enough. I think the agencies that I've seen that have started up. There's the old rule of thumb. I can't remember what it is, but it's, you know, it's kind of you you should never have more than 15% of your business in one client you know, to sort of mitigate against that, you know, so if you're running with one big client uh, and that's, you know, that's a big danger because if some unexpected event happens, then that's you, you're dead in the water. Um, but, but. Yeah, but also, but also expertise is getting, like, I'd be interested in your thoughts on this. Expertise is becoming really passe. So I think businesses that just do one thing really well forget about advertising just businesses that do one thing really well everybody wants to do everything really well these days so i think i don't know i can be i've seen success in my career just from doing one thing really well one thing better than everybody else i don't proclaim to know anything about client side hires i don't run around placing cmos i just do this one thing particularly well um I don't see many businesses that do that anymore. So I understand theoretically what you're saying, but I mm. also think there's danger the other way, which is if you start telling everybody that you do everything, it dilutes what it is that you do well or what yeah. you're an expert at. Yeah. Um, I almost think you're probably safer being an expert of one thing than you are competing with everybody else who's a generalist. Mm-hmm. I don't know. What's your thoughts on that? Well, definitely. I mean, I've, you know, I mean, the, with my sort of consulting service or whatever it is, you know, I, I mean, I, I've taken that view completely, right? Because and, and I've focused in on one thing, which I didn't really see that many. Well, I couldn't see anyone else really focusing on it, um, and that you know. So, I mean, that's that's. What I, I wouldn't say I'm not buying a yacht just yet, um, but. Uh, <laughs> Sorry, you can share mine. Yeah, but yeah, it's just you know, I suppose you've got to create your own market as well, you know, because some you know, you know, as we all know, most of the time clients don't know what they want, uh, or um, you know, it's often there's there's two kinds of agencies. There's one there's one that that are order takers, um, and you know who do what clients want, and then there's and then there's ones that would give clients what they need. you know, I think uh, I've certainly seen that in the last sort of 10 years. You know, I mean, when, you know, when I was at the um, first agency I was at in Melbourne was Climinger. You know, they were very, very uh, good at um, giving clients strategic counsel, you know, in terms of yep. telling them what, what they, they needed. You know, they didn't really take orders, you know. Um, 
Though there is the thing, you know, there's, uh, what is it, there's some work you do for show and work you do for do. Um, so, that, you know, there was there was an element of, of, of that. But, uh, you know, it was that kind of thing where everything, every piece of work was a potential award-winning opportunity or a potential, you know, thing, disruptive idea in, in, in the market. So that was one type of agency. But I've also been in other places where, um, you know, thinking is not required. You know, it's just uh, it's just do what the client asks for. Um, yeah. And maybe you know, I wonder. You know, maybe in this, you know, in a, you know, when the environment becomes highly competitive, just for survival and dollars, does that promote a order-taking culture, or um, or an innovation culture? Who knows? I don't know. Well, I think it depends who's running the agency. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, you have a look at, um, let's let's use a kind of working example. You have a look at the Vegemite work that Thinkabell came up with. Yeah. Um, that campaign worked its ass off. Yeah. I haven't seen a campaign work, that, work its ass off as much as that one has. And yeah. I think if you were to have a look at the the budget behind that, it probably wouldn't be what anybody expected it to be. But yeah. I think that's our sheer innovative thinking yeah. that they can get a campaign like that to work as hard as that actually did. Yeah. I don't know if a bigger agency would have even accepted the brief or the budget, yeah. right? But then you've got the guys down there going, yeah, fine, we'll, we'll take it on. And then yeah. being able to produce something yeah, that was that was like the, that was the perfect perfect match of client and agency though, because that's exactly, you know, it's kind of you know you can imagine I don't know how it how it came about you know but I mean, Vegemite has always been that slightly irreverent kind of brand you know and when they look about and say right who we're going to get to work with us you know immediately it's quite a small subset of agencies that that, that you would pick you know because. Uh, yeah. Uh, you know that was perfect uh, for the kind of work that Thinkabel do. I remember talking to uh, uh, Ted from uh, you know when I met Ted from Big Road, you know, and he he said exactly the same thing to me. He said back in the day, uh, you know, you could tell the differences between agencies, you know, because they did, you know, you would go to Mojo for instance for a particular if you you know wanted that particular kind of work, or if, or you would go to Sachi's for. A, particular kind of work you know so there was a kind of distinction between agency brands in terms of the kind of stuff they produced but there's probably less of that now because people will just chase anything you know, you know with a bunch. I don't know do you think that's true yeah. do you think people will chase anything uh, I don't well I mean again it probably depends on uh, you know I think if, if you're it I mean, it comes back to this sort of uh, double jeopardy type thing in terms of size of agencies. If you're a small agency, you know, you you can't afford to be, uh, although I haven't said that, I mean, I guess, you know, we just talked about Thinkabell, who, you know, I mean, they've got bigger now, but I mean, that's just in a, in a couple of years, but they're maybe the exception uh, to the rule, just because the, I mean, the personalities involved there were uh, very sort of established. Uh, anyway, you know, I don't know, but I mean, it's definitely, you know, I think, uh, I mean, that was Ted's point of view that, that now, you know, that, and I think he's still sort of modeled Big Red on that kind of, you know, they, they're very, very good at a particular type of thing, but you wouldn't expect them to come out with, with a sort of 
one of those sort of maverick think about type campaigns because it's just not what they do you know yeah yeah i i don't know i maybe maybe i know too much or kind of see a bit too much behind the curtain but yeah. i think agencies are extremely focused on what it is that they want is my experience so yeah. there's you know if you sit down with um most of the guys that are running agencies at the moment they're, they're all going to want the same thing right they want a financial services client they want in tourism or travel client yeah. and they want a booze client yeah. um and they will actively go after those for years not yeah. not just for you know kind of a short period of time they will actively pursue them for kind of year after year after year until they manage to get them yeah. um you know i think if you have a look at cummins client portfolio for example that will be an absolutely that that is a focused effort to get the people on their their clients that they have into their agency. I don't think that's just pitching for everything and then kind of seeing where it all falls. I think it's extremely focused and very deliberate. Yeah. Um, I think the same is true of majority of independents. Um, where it does get a bit tricky, I think, is with uh, the financial pressure on the agencies coming out of the holding companies where maybe you find that they're pitching on anything just to keep the doors open or to be able to meet numbers. Yeah. Um, but I don't think that's necessarily true of, of the Indies. Okay. Yeah. Right. Cool. Listen, I could be wrong. It could be more luck than good management, but I don't think so. <laughs> okay. Well, listen, that's nearly our hour. So, um, I think we're, we're going to try and finish on, that was a semi positive note, wasn't it? To finish on, to, to try and turn it around here. <laughs> Um, <laughs> Look, I, I mean, there's not, here's, here's kind of my take in, I don't think that there's, there's, I think it's tough. I think it's extremely tough out there. And I really genuinely feel for the guys that are sitting on the sidelines waiting for, waiting for a game. Half the time I feel like I'm on the sidelines waiting for a game as well. Yeah. I think um, it's, it is really tough, but they've been telling me ever since I entered this mad industry that we call advertising, that advertising's dead. They've yeah. been telling me that for 15 years since I joined yeah. and it just never seems to die. It's like the syphilis of the business world. It's just <laughs> there. Um, I, I don't think it's going anywhere. I think it's, you know, during the GFC, advertising was the first to get hit, but absolutely the first to come back. Yeah. Um, I, I think we're going to probably be called up sooner rather than later. I think if we can get through the, the job keeper, um, finishing up in September, if we yeah. if we can all kind of get to there, um, with some semblance semblance of integrity, mm. then we might be okay. Um, but yeah, I don't know how many for how many years have you heard advertising's dead? Well, that's it. You know, the, the kind of joke is you know they've been saying advertising is dead for so long that most of the people that started saying it are dead now. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> I feel like I feel like our um, our chat really didn't capitalise on our ability to crack jokes about our own industry, but that might <laughs> we might save that for the yeah, well, that's the pub and a, bar, yeah. and a bowl of pasta, right? Eh? 
Yeah. Well, we'll do, well that's, or we'll do another one of these in a few months when uh, you know when everything's rosy again. And, uh, <laughs> Yeah, I, uh, when we can have a look at, at, at my uh, sweeping statements and realize yeah. broadly how incorrect they were. But I guess, you know, I mean, the, you know, the, the, it's interesting, the job keeper thing, you know, which I think is um, obviously that's been a cushion for some people. Um, like, you know, like you said earlier on, this time when the, the sort of freelance, you know, that took the hit, you know, and I think. Uh, so there's no safety net for freelancers, you know, so we're all uh, now, you know, it was hard enough before you're scrapping with, uh, um, you know, I just look at, so, you know, because I'm out there competing, you know, and some of the people I'm having to compete with, you know, for work, you know, it's kind of, you know, uh, it's just sort of staggering the, you know, the, the talent that's out there. Um, that uh, are some of the top people, you know, five years ago, you would have said these are the top people in the in the business. Now, now we're all searching yeah. about in the dirt, you know, for um, uh, for jobs. So there's no sort of safety net there. So, you know, I think probably everyone is hoping that that, uh, that, that sort of, you know, th things come back strong and then, you know, and then there's plenty of things need to be done, you know, because agencies have shed, uh, you know, 10%, 20% of the staff, and then, um, yeah, but that's, I guess. I think, I think the next six months, the sheer amount of pictures, certainly in this city, that yeah. is about to come on is going to make sure that some of us are okay. Yeah. I think, you know, it's, it's fine to work on skeleton staff until a massive pitch enters the building and yeah. then all bets are off. Yeah. Then it's, you know, Get the best freelancers get the, actually it's yeah. just always the same get the best people in the room yeah. um and i think that new business activity which is about to hit and i think is greater than we've seen in the last couple of years and i'm talking yeah. substantial pictures yeah. i think i think that's what's going to save the freelance market um in the latter half of this yeah. year so what i mean in terms of your actual uh i mean you know obviously uh, if LinkedIn is anything to go by, you, you've had a steady, seem to have a, had a steady stream of uh, of appointments you're trying to make over the last couple of months. I mean, has it? Uh, have you had a? You know, is it causing concern for you, or uh, or are you small enough that you know that uh, you can still bop your way through it? Yeah, I think it's it's both. So if I was as good as I appear on LinkedIn, I think I went from, I had 38 briefs on the desk mm. uh, before Corona and in a week that was reduced to three. Right. So that would give you some indication about the, the kind of hit that yeah. was taken. Um, there are critical hires that are still going through, but they are few and far between and they tend to sit at a senior level. Yeah. Um, the transactional recruitment so you know your ad's here and there or you know your planners for a couple of days all of that transactional recruitment's kind of gone um and now it's just the big strategic projects that right. that are still underway i think i'm lucky in that i run pretty a pretty lean business and i'm fine just to keep my head head down nose clean and um and get through the next little bit. Um, mm. but 
yeah, it's not ideal. Yeah. I think everyone, anyone who says they're not feeling it is full of shit. Yeah. I think we're all feeling it. And I think it's hard to, especially when you're a small business like mine, it's hard not to kind of chase after dark imaginings at one o'clock in the morning when you're walking around your own house. Yeah. Um, I think it's, it's a mental game that's tough. Um, but I've always said, you know, if I need to go and pour beers at the, at the pub, I'm never going to be too ashamed to do that either. Yeah. Um, fingers crossed it doesn't come to that because yeah. let's be honest, I just drink them all. But um, yeah, but I think, yeah, look, I think it's, it's tough for me. I think it's tough for everybody. Um, and it's tough for any small business. I think small business is the one that's really getting hit out of all of this. Um, but I, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> okay, cool. Well, listen, thank you very much for sharing your wisdom. Um, I don't know if we'd call it that really, would we? <laughs> <laughs> is, there, is, there anything, yeah, is there anything you want to uh, sort of um, promote to uh, to my vast listenership? Yeah. It's not no. vast, but... <laughs> no, but, but, but I, do, I do have some advice, I think. I, I've got some advice for the talent pool that are running around, they're trying to get their profile, they're, they're trying to lift their profile, they're trying to make sure they're seen, they're trying to contact all the agencies, they're mm. trying to do all the right things. My advice would be just give yourself some time. Yeah, give yourself some time to exhale, give the market time to kind of recalibrate and work out where it is. I think I'm watching people absolutely exhausting themselves, chasing after things that just absolutely don't exist at the moment. Yeah. So my advice to guys that are finding themselves without work um, and are frightened and don't know what's kind of coming down the pipe is at least give yourselves just a bit of time to be and not go chasing things because there's nothing more demoralizing than chasing after something that doesn't exist. Yeah. Um, that now might be the time that you kind of, you just hunker down and remember that you do have a great talent and that when the yeah. market comes back, you will absolutely be called back up. But for yeah. now, just don't exhaust yourself chasing after things that don't exist. Yeah. And, you know, I think the other thing is, you know, skills are transferable. I mean, you know, this is what, you know, the odd bits and pieces of things that I've done have has not all been in the ad industry. You know, it's kind of, you, you know, you, you find that the skills that you have can be applied in, in other areas, you know? Yeah. And so I think, you know, anyone who's a project manager or account manager, you know, those organisational skills are applicable uh, anywhere. Um, yeah, absolutely. And more than ever, other disciplines yeah. are chasing after our talent. More yeah. than ever. It's a, it's a constant um, thorn in my side. Um, but I do, yeah, but I do think that whether it's transferring them for a little bit and doing something else and then coming back into the industry mm. or, you know, hunkering down and chilling out with your family and just getting through until we kind of come back. Yeah. Um, I think it just doesn't help the, the panic and the hysteria around if you do more, you will be okay. Yeah. I, I just haven't seen that. Sending emails to every single agency in Australia is not going to help in the yeah. long run, it, it just won't, or even in the short term, it, it, yeah. it just won't. Because well, I mean, the, the thing is, there's, there's, there's 5,000 other people doing the same thing. So you're not even going to get replies, you know, and then it's then it becomes worse. It's like, oh, why, you know, why did I not even get uh, 
response. And it's like, well, because you're one of 5,000 people that's bombarding, you know, this HR department or this CEO who's already, you know, panicking about, uh, you know, making payroll, you know, next yeah. month or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. Hey, um, so, so lovely to talk to you. Next time um, we're back at the uh, Italian restaurant, all right? Okay, then, definitely. I shall, uh, I shall hold you to that. Yeah, hopefully it won't be long. You know, some people oh, gosh, please. Yeah, so maybe uh, people are starting to, I noticed because at the back of my house is the sort of uh, the, the main highway into town. It's noticeably busier the last, last week or so. So things are starting to come back. So um, hopefully- Daytime drinking's not really the same when it's just you by yourself in the lounge. No, that's it. No, I'm, I'm kind of, you know, getting, getting fed up of that now. Yeah. Plus, it's, uh, of course, you know, I, um, I, I read uh, in the news that, uh, you know, the alcohol industry is, you know, is down 80% or something. And I said, well, it's not, it's nothing to do with spending in my house because that's, uh, that's gone up, you know, by about, <laughs> by about 500%. Uh, okay. I'm, uh, I'm going to meet an agency in a park uh, this afternoon uh, okay. with a couple of tallies and we're oh. going to go and have our meeting in the park. All right, brown paper bags. And, yeah. yeah, that's right. Yeah, <laughs> back to my roots. Okay. Uh, listen, it was brilliant to uh, uh, to chat. Thanks again. And, and yeah, we'll see you soon in real life.